Welcome to our Wednesday night cheer. As we Baruch Hashem have every Wednesday night. The Shabbos, as you know, Erev Purim. Formerly known as Shabbos Pasha Zacher. For the four Pashas, Shkolim, Zacher, Pora, and Chedesh. Zacher is not in relation to Shkolim, but rather is in relation to Purim itself. And as always, the Shabbos prior to Purim. The Shabbos also Pasha Tzav, also. Pasha Zohar, the reading of Pasha Zohar is Min HaTayra. It is obligatory, according to the Tayra, men, women and children, to hear the reading of Pasha Zohar. locally here in the neighborhood, in our neighborhood, in Crown Heights and I'm sure everywhere else, any other Jewish neighborhood as well, arranges for minyanim for women, for children especially for women that have younger children that cannot get to shul at regular time or the husbands need to go to shul, therefore someone has to stay with the babies. There are usually separate minyanim that are made, especially for women to come to hear the reading of Pasha Zohar. Similarly, on Matzah Shabbos Kedish, Saturday night, and of course Sunday day, once again there's an obligation to hear the reading of the Megillus Esther. If, by chance, Chas v'shalom, a person cannot make it to the reading on, Pasha's, on the Shabbos Pasha Zohar, the solution for that is to hear the reading of the Tera on Purim, which, as Baja Zocher talks about the eradication of the Amalekites. The reading of Pasha Zohar that we read on Shabbos 
is is from Kiseitze. The reading that we read on Purim is from Pasha's Bishalach. Pash Kiseitze. And I have to keep you on the phone because the Skype for some reason in your area is wrong. What? Okay, in the meantime you can listen through the shear. You can listen through the phone. Hold on until we get you back on, on Skype. Okay. Therefore, uh, since they are both discussing the eradication of Amalek, which the sin of Amalek is Ashekorcho Baderech, they cooled you off on the road in the journey as the Yidden left Egypt, crossed the Yamsuf were now known as the most powerful nation. A nation. A nation that was able to escape Egypt with no other no other slave ever did. A nation that then had the miracle, the miraculous the great miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea. This nation now is feared by every nation throughout the world, except along came Amalek. And as she tells us at the end of the Pasha B'Shalach, a marshal, a parable, to a very, very hot river. And this very, very hot river no one was able to immerse in the water without being totally, not just scolded, but totally burnt. However, one fellow came along and said, I'm going to immerse in the river. And as he said, he's going to immerse into the river. Everybody warned him, but he jumped in and he burnt himself from head to toe. Came a second fellow, did the same, and a third did the same. But each time the another one added himself into the river, the water did less damage. Ultimately, they cooled off the water entirely. The Amalekites came to cool off the Jews, to show the world that yes, they are the world power, but we will go in and fight them nonetheless. We'll get scolded, we'll get burnt, but we will see to it that we will make them step back a step. Therefore, Taylor tells us, Halacha tells us, that the Shabbos before Purim, which also was a decree, as we're going to discuss, of Achashvedish Harosha, 
Haman Arasha to try to destroy the Jewish nation. And Haman was a descendant from Amalek. Therefore, we see to it that we read this reading of the Teda of Remember what Egypt, what the Amalekites did to you on the way out of your leaving from Egypt. And in case, as we said before, you do not hear it on Shabbos, then you can hear on Shan Purim Day the reading of Ayove Amalek. Again, the nine psukim, the last nine psukim of Pash B'Shalach, telling us again, Zohar, that to remember, Mokhe Emche Zecher Amalek. The word Zecher Amalek is a machlekis. There is an argument, a dispute. Do we say Zecher or do we say Zecher? Since the fact is that Eilu Eilu everything is always the words of God of the word of the word the light the word of life. Therefore, we say both when we read in Kiseitze Shabbos Pashas Zocher it's Zecher Zecher. When we read from Bishalach and Purim it's Zecher Zecher. The reading of the Teira on Purim is unique in another way. It is the only time in the world, in the year, that we are allowed to take out a Teira and read less than 10 Psukim. The minimum reading for when a Teira is taken out is 10 Psukim. However, on Purim day, we read the story of Ayove Amolek until the end of the Pasha, each one of the three people that are called up to the Teda are called up for only three Psukim. We'll return, Shem in this year, to Purim, to Pasha Zachar Blinader. Now we need to concentrate slightly on the parsha, but before that, it would be a miss not to discuss on the subject of the day. In the olden days, and they used to print the Lubavitch calendars and they told us of different things that went on, different dates in Lubavitch. On Gimel Tammuz, in the box for Gimel Tammuz, it said, Sreifa Gideila Lubavitch. There was a terrible fire in Lubavitch, in the city of Lubavitch, on the Gimel Tammuz. Many, many years ago, several hundred years ago. Today, Yud Adrasheni, the Avish is proving 
a very, very awkward point. Chassidus tells us that in the course of the year the Yidbeiz Chadshirachmim my son reminded me this this morning he had learned it as well Yidbeiz Chadshirachmim there are 12 months of Rachmim a year of compassion when there is a 13th month we need to find our own Rachamim. When there's a 13th month, a other Shani, the other Shani needs to have its own form of Rachamim. And the Rebbe explains though, there's a solution. When Adar enters, we begin with Simcha. You have to add, multiply our Simcha, our happiness, our joy. This is not one day of Adar, but the entire month of Adar. And especially if there are two months of Adar, it increases on a daily basis, so that at the end of the second month, more than only being 30-fold, from how we multiplied the Simcha when we entered Adar Aleph, it becomes 60-fold of the Simcha Gedela, the double Simcha that we have from the Simcha Gedela from other Shani as well. What are we looking for? He's on the phone. Today, in Lubavitch, there's a tremendous fire, a flame burning. Will it be a very, very seemingly simple person, like Tzvi Oliver Shalom Ostrzynski, who passed away a week and a half ago at the age of 60? Whether it be the head shliach of Illinois, Arab Daniel, Arab Daniel Moskowitz, all of us, who passed away a week and a half ago at the age of 59, whether it be Rabbi Butman from Eretz Yisrael, who passed away a week and a half ago at the age of 55, whether it be Rabbi Mordechai Gal, who passed away today at the age of 62, whether it be the Shlucha, Rashi Minkowitz in Georgia, who passed away last night at the age of 37. Countless amounts of orphans that have been left behind. For us, Vahachai Yitein Eliboi, our mission is those who are living need to take heed and need to take to the heart truthfully naturally the person will sit now put their head between their legs and mope and cry 
Because it's inevitable that one of these young people you knew, one of these young people touched your life somewhere, touched your heart somewhere, in the course, in the course of the last 50 years of their development, this life of this world, or whether it be the 37 short years of Rashi. Rashi Shalom was named after her grandmother, and she lived exactly like her grandmother Shalom, 37 years. Her grandmother also passed away at 37 years of age. We don't look at coincidence. We don't even consider this Ashkacha Pratis. This is the mission that a person has sent. And her eight kindalach and her husband, here she, she'll be given a lot of kayach. She has a two-year-old pizzala. She never would have imagined she would not take to the chuppah. She was preparing for Purim, like any shlucha. No sign, no flags, no anything, no hint of anything being wrong. And she was just taken from the midst of her family and from us, our family of Chabad, of the Shluchim of Chabad, of the Terebis children. How? How do we cope with this? How can we find Racham and where do we find compassion? in such tragedy, in such times of pain, tells us Teda, Simcha Peretz Geder. Rashi's mother, lying in Yarden, when her mother passed away at the age of 37, received a lengthy letter from the Rebbe of condolence and advice how to cope with her tragedy. Many such letters have been sent to many people, but none this powerful. And we see though that the Rebbe prepared this family as well to get this letter, to receive this letter, and may we merit the Rakits of Ranu Sheikh Neofar, and that Mashiach reveals himself tonight and sees to it that the, fa- the mitzvah of Tchias HaMesim that he has is fulfilled. And that we all go together, But how? How do we explain to the parents, to Chayimeir, to to his wife, or to the in-laws of Lema, his wife? We don't explain this, but we also have to know we don't point. We don't point fingers at others, it's this one's fault, it's that one's fault. 
we need to do what the Rebbe explains to us, the Navi tells us the life must take to their heart, and must decide and must t- undertake what can we do to make this world a better world so that Mashiach feels once and for all that he needs to come. Shluchas throughout the world are gathering. In Europe, all the Shluchas had a major conference call tonight. In the United States, there was a conference call tonight. Today, different resolutions are being made. The bottom line, we need to remember that Simcha paid it together. Only through Simcha can we overcome anything. There are no obstacles that can hold back Simcha. There are no obstacles that cannot be broken down by Simcha. And therefore we need to take the true joy of life and say to ourselves, Rebbeinu Shalom, we don't understand your ways. We don't understand your what you seem actions. Time and history. We've seen this happen. Young parents being clipped out of the family. A young mother or a young father, Islam. We only recently went through a holocaust where entire families were wiped out. We need to join arms. We need to reinforce our belief, our emunabshuta, and our avayda, our service to God in a way of simcha, of simcha mitis. And you'll turn and say, Rabbi, seriously, will you go tomorrow morning at 10.45 and dance by that funeral of that 37-year-old woman and sing and clap your hands? And we'll tell you no. Of course not. Will I be with joy in my heart? Of course not. Will those tears flowing from my on my face be tears of joy? Of course not. There are times where we must grieve. There are times where we must take these hisaidus, these awakenings, these rude awakenings that we need to have, and ride with them and take the strength that we derive from them, and overcome all obstacles. And the one way to do such, at this juncture, is to say, I will not allow you to get me down. I believe with complete faith, and I will not falter, and I will not shake, I will stay, remain steadfast in my service to Hashem. This also we see in the Parsha. Tzav Saharin. 
command. The mitzvah. Give him a mitzvah. In a mitzvah there are two explanations. The word mitzvah can mean tzivui, command. And the word mitzvah can come from tzavsavachibur. Attachment. It attaches the Jew to his creator by doing the mitzvahs that God commands us. Through that mitzvah, it's a conduit to connect us to God. But these two explanations are both one, really. For a Jew can do a mitzvah for two ways, two reasons. One form is he understands exactly the value and the greatness of doing this mitzvah. And one is the one form is that no, the Almighty commanded me as such, and therefore I'm doing it. What's called Kabbalah's El. I just accept it. Not that I understand it, but I just do it. <coughs> therefore it says, Tzavsev through being mikabel mitzvahs, through doing mitzvahs, do mikayim mitzvahs, the person nullifies himself to the Almighty, not because he necessarily understands it, but because he was commanded, and therefore the Almighty commanded, I do. So as we take it as a commander, whether we take it as a form of connection to God, the mitzvah, the tzav, is the way we have to act and behave. But Rashi tells us, tzav es arin, b'yeis etzarach hakosel v'zariz b'mokim sh'yesh b'echzarin kis. The tater needs to give a jolt, a push, an injection, especially when it comes to loss of money, it comes to affecting the pocket. We've spoken about this many times. We have to look into this. Why does it say it, especially here, when it comes to the flame on the Mizbeach and not by any other mitzvah of Chesar and Kis? This is something that has to do directly with our service to God. By other mitzvahs, whether it's chesar and kis, where money comes out of my pocket for tzedakah, where I need to give charity, etc. I don't need to be encouraged. I don't need to be pushed. Especially if I have it in my pocket. When I don't have it in my pocket is the problem. I don't need to be pushed because I know for sure that the Almighty is paying me back. And the bottom line is, it's not my money. It's the Abish's money. And the Almighty can do whatever He wants with His money. He graced me to have it, so therefore I have now the option to give it to a fellow Jew to charity.
But when it comes to actual mum and hegdish, money that belongs to a shul or to the Mishkan of the Rezimigdash, not my private money, but rather public money, you have to be more careful. And therefore the person's first option would be you know that wood that we have to put on there to be able to make the fire stronger? Eh! I don't know if that's right now the most important. I'm sure there's other more important things in the temple and the tabernacle that need to be done. It's after all, it's money of tzibur, money that belongs to the public. I'm sure we can find a better use for it. And that's why Dafka over here, when it talks about money that belongs to the public, that the Pesach needs to warn us that the Almighty was mitzavah, the Almighty commanded us to do this, even when the calculations of the person are not really so straight. If the Almighty commands we need eights in the marocha, we need wood for the marocha, then it's definitely what needs to be done with this money now. And we don't make the calculation of chesad and kis. <coughs> the Kayan, though, had different garments and different jobs. And the Pasuk tells us, He took out the ashes. He removed the garments he was wearing, put on other garments to take out the ashes. And Rashi tells us a very simple explanation because the Mechamesh the Mikra wants to know what transpired here. And Rashi explains simply, The garments that he uses to do service in the temple, and the tabernacle, should not get dirty with the ashes that he's removing. Begodim, now Rashi tells us a very interesting example, a parable. Begodim Shabishulban Kedera Larabai, the garments that you are wearing when you are cooking, when the cook the chef is cooking for his master, Ayimzibahan Kes Larabai. You don't come with the same garments and pour a cup, or serve the master with it. L'chach, therefore, v'lovash begadam achedim. He puts on other garments when he takes out the deshen, v'chusen mehen, of a lower standard. Wow, what a Rashi. And even more so, what a marshal. Rashi really struck the nail on the head with this example. Generally, the chef doesn't serve the table. They're not only regular different clothing. It's done by two different people. There's a chef, who's got his beautiful chef hat, and his magnificent aprons, and his puffy sleeves so he can move around. And whatever else you'd like to imagine the chef looks like in the kitchen. 
And then the waiter, with his proper bow tie, maybe even a tuxedo, if, you, if your restaurant is high enough for class, has enough stars, in other words, if you're eating outdoors, they're two different people. So therefore, why now? Hitzar's Hadeshin is only Bibigadim Why isn't this done by two different Kahanim? There were enough Kahanim to go around. One Kayan should be taking out the ashes, and one Kayan is doing the cooking, doing whatever needs to be done in the temple. Through Drush, we look at this and we say, pouring a cup and cooking in a pot are really two different types of people. Only when it comes to a servant. To a master. For the servant that is going to serve the waiter, he doesn't belong in the kitchen cooking. But when it comes to serving Hashem, there's no difference whether it's shechting your carbon, whether it's checking the carbon, whether it's burning the carbon, whether it's removing the ashes. My son pointed out the Gemara and Shabbos. Everyone wants to do any given job. The Razal tell us, sages tell us in Medrash Tankuma, they say, Hey, Yeshiv is Sheikil Mitzvah Shalteda, Kala Shivakalis, Chamura Shivakamuris, Harein Shavim. Don't go measuring Mitzvahs in the Teda. These are more lenient, these are easier, these are less, these are harder. They are all equal. For the main thing in the service of Hashem is Baruch is to do the Almighty's will through Kabbalah's El Malchus Shemayim as it was commanded. So when a person is in the Mitzvah just for the purpose of doing the Mitzvah just for doing the fulfilling the Almighty's command there's no difference between the service of Maziga's case pouring a cup or cooking in a pot. The main thing is that I get the job done. The garments look different. That's what Rashi tells us. In Chabad, there was a chassid of David Zvichain. He was the Rav in Chernigov. He came to Yechidus, the Reb Marash. He decided to wait in the room next to the Reb Marash. And he saw the attendant there with garments for the Reb Marash, clothing.
And the attendant asked the David Tzvi, Why is it, maybe you know, every hour by Yechidus, by private audiences, every hour the Rebbe changes his clothes from head to toe. The Chassid didn't say anything. And again the Shamash asked, What is going on here? Why does he keep schwitzing so much? All of a sudden the door opened up and the Rebbe was standing there. And the Rebbe looked at the Gabai, the Shamas, and he said to him, Go home, I will send you your wages. You will no longer work here. And by the way, he said, the Rebbe continued, What's so hard to understand? Someone comes to me and tells me they have a problem. A spiritual problem. They feel that they're spiritually inept. They have a flaw spiritually. They want my advice on how to rectify it. How to elevate themselves. Now, honestly, how do I know? I don't know what it feels like to be in that situation. So I remove myself from being the Rebbe, and I put myself in his situation. I become him. And I look through his eyes to see what the sin looks like. So I take off my, my garments, and I put on his. Now, wearing his garments, I can't give him an answer. Because if someone in his situation would be able to answer this question (laughs) then he wouldn't have to come to me he'd be able to answer the question himself if if I have to answer him he wants me to answer him as Rebbe so I have to change back my clothes I have to become Rebbe again So I've changed my clothes to his situation, I've changed my clothes back to mine. Every time someone comes in, I'm changing my clothes twice. 25 people came to me in an hour, I changed my clothes 50 times in one hour. You think changing back and forth and back and forth 50 times in one hour, you're not going to perspire? And therefore, said the Rebbe, I end up in this predicament. And this is what the Pasik tells us, Ufoshat as begodov, Vilovash begodim achelim. That you remove these garments to put on others. Want to skip over a little bit, leave Pasha Sav a moment. Let's give you a little bit of Purim talk. My great nephew in London, my wife was in London now for a mitzvah, a great nephew, the older brother was chosen by the Purim Spiel in the Yeshiva, or wherever it is, to be the Rasha Kol. 
and they have to do achtara of the rov and etc. Crowning of the new rov. The Purim spiel is very, very comical, of course. And everything is done tastefully with humor. Although I have one of the people that I see on a ba- weekly basis to go put on film with them, will not hear a joke unless it's not clean. If it's a clean joke, he doesn't want to hear it. And yet, Baruch Hashem, we can laugh at a clean joke. So my wife was on the phone with me and she says, you know what, he needs some lines here, he needs some, talk to him, educate him a little. So the first thing I told him was the great story of the brilliant Rav of the town of Amaratsum, ignoramuses, that was sitting in his study, probably holding his book upside down, and someone came in in a tremendous panic. And he said, Rabbi, I don't know what to do, I'm devastated. He says, He says, Rebbe, I was taking a shower and I had milchike shampoo. Huh? My shampoo was dairy. And in the middle of the shower, my hair was full of soap and shampoo. A piece of meat fell on my head. What should I do, Rebbe? I mixed milk and meat together. And the Rav looked at him very diligently, quizzically actually, stroked his beard once or twice and said, in an ominous, brilliant explanation or expression of Teda, he said, my kind, take your head and stick it in the ground ten times and you'll become kosher. This is a Purim Teda. With many different aspects to it. Milk and dairy, etc. And there are such halachas of taking a knife, for example, and putting it in the ground ten times or overnight, whatever it might be. There's no market for the overnight thing. But let us turn to them, therefore, when it comes to the Purim table, when it comes to the Sudas Purim, yes, there's a lot of triviality. Yes, there's a lot of happiness and joy, excitement and eating and drinking, plentiful of food, wine, and spirits. But Divrei Teda must be recited. Because a table of people that are eating and there's no Divrei Teda recited, it's as if they've eaten from the the meal of the dead. So let us begin with the beginning of Megillus Esther. In the beginning of Megillus Esther, Vahibimeach Ashvedesh, Hamelech Meheidu Viat Kush. It was the days of Ashvedesh, he was Ashvedesh who ruled from Haidu until Kush. Sheva Vyesim Umea Medina. 127 cities. Countries, actually. 
For those keeping track at home, we go to tractate of Megillah. Yud Aleph Amid Aleph, 11 side 1. And there is a machlekes, a dispute. Rav Vishmuel. Chad Omar, one says, Heidu b'seifa elam v'kush b'seifa elam. They were on two extremes of the world. Haidu was on one end of the world and Haseit and Haid and Kush on the other, New York, New York and Melbourne. And when we say therefore that he ruled from Haidu till Kush, wow! He ruled the world. The Khadamara one says, Haidu Vakush Gabe Adodi Havakaimu, they were very close to one another, Kaimi. Just like he was able to rule locally, the king lives in a capital city, therefore you imagine that people there live with trepidation, with fear, with awe. They live in the capital, and they're following everything the king says. And heaven forbid they should walk on the street and see the king. My wife was in London recently and saw the Queen. She didn't see her, I don't know. The Queen came out of the castle. Yeah, yeah, she came out from the palace. She was chasing the groundhog. Let us explain their machlekes. Rav and Shmuel go according to their opinion in everything here. They have a base opinion that they have and therefore they use the same logic for everything that they learn and explain. We find in many places arguments between Rav and Shmuel. Each one of them explains the Pasuk according to the way the words dictate or according to the actual basis of what's being discussed. For example, when it says by Yasef HaTzadik, that he came into the home of Ashes Petifar, the wife, the wife of Petifar, he came to the home to do Melacha. So the Gemara, the same Gemara, the same Megillah, Rav and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel argue again, one says he literally came to do his work. He needed to do what he wanted. And to explain them, one says to do his malacha. Simple explanation. He came to work. means He came to work. But the other one says, we don't go according to the carte blanche that we see. And the proof is, because the continuation of the Pesach says, nobody was home. So it comes to teach us that he came to do something else. And it's something that he needed to do when no one's around. So we can't say therefore Malachtai means his job, Mamish. 
like the actual literal explanation, because then we don't need to have an empty house. And therefore the second one explains he came to do other things. And many other machlekes that we find between Rav and Shmuel, where one says you go according to the literal explanation, and one says we need to learn out something from it. Therefore we could say the same as in our machlekes. One says, explain the words the way they are. Simple. Since the word ad means until, if I say from here till there, I don't necessarily mean on my table from this point to this point. I would show you on my table from here over here. When I say from this place all the way till the other place, I must be referring to something far. And therefore he says, it means from one end of the world to the other end of the world. The other one holds no. Since it says afterwards, Sheva v'yesim u'meya medina, 127 medinas, it means the entire world. Therefore you must say that v'heidu v'atkush has a different connotation to it. And therefore he says, no, I learn out from here, that he ruled the entire world just like his backyard. Haidu and Kush were his backyard, just like he ruled in the backyard, he ruled the entire world. What were the people of Haidu, what were the people of Kush? Akashvedish ruled them all, what was it? Chassidus explains. It wasn't a physical distance that separated Haidu and Kush. A spiritual distance distanced them. Haidu is from the Lashon of Haid the Hodar, a shine which shows the beauty and the light. Whereas Kush is the Lashon of Shikheros which is the opposite, darkness. And we know that the name of an item has a direct connection with the essence of the item. And so too in our case, Heidu and Kush implies the exact behavior module of the dwellers of these these towns, that they would set, they would opposite from one extreme to the other. That the people that lived in the Medina of Haidu were people that were Haid Vahadar. They had good midas. They were straight people. They were honest people. Mashenki and the people of Kush. They were lowlifes. Low Therefore the Megillah comes to tell us Akashvedesh had such a strong rule, such a strong hand that it didn't matter how the people were, what what type of people they were he had a hand over everybody whether they were the nice kind people, the Heidu or whether they were the lousy people, the outlaws 
of Cush. Not only did he rule over them, but he even had them by their roots. So much so that when Achashverish makes a meal, it was done kirtzayin ish ve'ish. He knew the nature and the wants and the appetites of each and every one, and he served each one's taste. That everyone felt at home by the meal. They weren't looking for their stuff. And therefore we see the greatness of the danger of Haman's decree, as we mentioned before. Because when they got the Zeta, they got the decree of the king, to destroy, to eradicate this nation, talking about the good people, we understand, of course, that he knew exactly what their actual spirituality was. And he knew that they would not like this. Whereas the people, the wicked, would enjoy doing, going against the grain. In our case, since the king Arashvedesh positioned himself to connect and reach out to each and every type, it's therefore understood that the danger of the decree of Akashvedish was even greater. Because Akashvedish connected with everyone. And therefore, since he was connected, if he made a decree, everybody didn't nobody would want to insult or upset him. And everybody would go with the flow. Not looking at what their beliefs actually are. And therefore the Megillah tells us, Kush, to stress the great danger of Akashvayish's decree. And how the Almighty saved us. But let us understand. It doesn't say Bimei Malchus David the days of the kingdom of David. We go back again to the Gemara Megillah, those keeping score at home, Davov, at the end of Ahmed Bez, 6, the end of side 2. Wherever it says, the word Vayihi, it only means, it's a Tsar. it's a Lashen it's an expression of pain. This we need to learn a tremendous lesson to our life today. In those days the Jews were in a Maimed and Matzid, the best situation that they could ever have been in exile. Mordechai was a man of great stature. He was one of the top Advisors. And when Akashvedesh made this great feast for all the nations, 
Malachi was one of the two people that were on the committee to arrange the feast. Again, reverting to the Gemara and Megillah, Yudbeis Amin Aleph, 12, side 1, when the Pasuk is Kirtzayin Ish Va'ish, the wants of each and every person. It's definite. There's no better situation than having Mordechai Yehudi, the Reish Sanhedrin, the head of Sanhedrin, one of the people that had a major pull by the king. But still in all, the two first words of Ayihi Bimei, a Lushan of Tsar. What Tsar could it possibly have been? Mordechai was in the position. He didn't have to jockey for position, have to fight for anything. He was there. He was there in the top ranks. But the tsar was that it was Bimeach Hashvedesh and not Bimei Malchus David. This is what we need to learn today. Although there are those Jews that are Baruch Hashem financially stable, that are doing well, and God should bless them to do better and better so that they can help and they can reach out to the fellow brethren who need them. And they should remember and they should be able to know that when they give that tzedakah they're not giving theirs, they're giving God's. God only let them be their, the banker for when He needs it to be distributed. May they be given not only the money but the seichel the emotion, the feelings, and the intellect, to know and to understand that, so that when they give, they are not just sharing, but they are actually distributing. And therefore, really, it's interesting, comes, for example, the Kahalari like Purim. People go to all the richer people that help them, and the support and support the organizations, maestas. And we send those people elaborate Mishlach Manas. We send them these beautiful big gifts, thanking them. Really, they should look at it and say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't go there. I didn't give you mine, I gave you what God let me hold on to. Hold it. Don't take the yeshiva's money and put it out for that. But it's hard. It's hard because a person is of position. They like to be appreciated when they do something. So when the person thinks that way though, the Megillah comes to teach us. We are found today in Meach HaShvedesh. We are in exile. There is no greater tzara, no greater pain, than what we are finding ourselves in this exile. That's why it starts, Vayihi, the Lashen Tzar. And therefore we must try, and strive, with every ounce of strength, and vitality, to bring quickly, the Malchus based David Mishikhecha Bimhede Biyamenu, and that we should 
Mocha Hashem is Dima Me'al Kolponim. Every tear should be wiped away and should be accepted and should be taken to wipe away all our sins. And that all our faces should remain clean. And that we, met, we should merit to Geula, Mitzvah, Vashlema, to Malchus, Beis David, Meshicha. As this year Purim begins with Sudas David, Malka, Meshicha. The, so the, the first meal that we have, this Purim, is Matzah Shabbos Kedesh, the Malava Malka. It should be Taka, a Malava Malka, but not only Malava Shabbos, but it should also welcome Mashiach Tzidkenu. Shabbat Shalom to all, and as we say, a kosher Purim and a happy Passover. Okay. And if you want to know why, technically it should be the happy Passover, happy Purim. And kosher Passover, because on Purim we have to drink Adlayada. And if we are drinking to such an extent, we don't know the difference. And on one side of our table, we have delicious kreplach or holopchus, stuffed cabbage or whatever it might be, made of meat. And on the other end of the table, suddenly we see our favorite chocolate. But we have drunk so much. We might not remember, we just ate meat. Therefore we ask, we give a blessing that Purim should remain kosher. And Pesach, we work so hard to clean the house. We work so hard to make sure everything is beautiful. By the time we get to the say that we are so exhausted, we just want to get it over with. Therefore we wish a Freilich in Pesach, that Pesach too should be happy. And the Shana Abo, Shana Azeh, Yerushalayim.